For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. Residents living near Edwards Air Force Base in 1962 had the privilege of witnessing something no one had ever seen before, nor will likely ever see again. A black bear traveling at supersonic speeds and falling from the sky on a parachute. The Air Force was testing a jet ejection safety system invented by a fellow named Bob Stanley. And this system has been credited with saving hundreds of lives. We've all seen videos of ejection seats in the movies, but it's easy to imagine how a system like this could do more harm than good. That's why engineers from the Air Force and Stanley Aviation had to test their ejection seat system on live animals before sending it up with American pilots. I assume monkeys weren't large enough to mimic a human and dogs weren't able to get their paws around the yoke, so they chose bears. The bears were sedated before what probably seemed to them like being abducted by aliens. Stanley claims that no bears were seriously injured during these test flights, which strikes me as uh, unlikely. And even if that were true, the bears were frequently euthanized, as in killed, after their flights so researchers could check them thoroughly for internal injuries. The bears that survived are long gone, but one of the shop owners in the building that used to be the Stanley factory is still trying to give back. Stephanie Shearer owns a shop in what is now called the Stanley Marketplace, and she's partnered with a bear conservation organization to raise money for the endangered Antian spectacled bear. The species of bear lives in Peru, and then the spectacled bear conservation society works to conserve its critical habitat. Shearer donates a percentage of her revenue to the society, and so far she's raised enough money to buy about 10,000 acres of land in Peru. How's that for a bearable ending to this segment? Probably not as grisly as you were expecting. And if uh, you're a fan of ejection seats and movies, it's pretty wild that uh, they could get this thing to save a bear and not save a goose, right? Let me know if you get that one. 
This week, we've got crime legislation and so much more, but first I want to tell you about my week. In my week, well, started out by getting in deep with the crowd at the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. Met a bunch of great folks from Mule Deer Foundation and just a bunch of great folks in general. Wanted to say thank you all for coming over to the First Light, FHF, Phelps, DSD booths and saying hi. I also spent $300 on raffle tickets and came away with nothing, which is great because I never ever draw anything hard to get. And um, by continuing my bad luck in the raffle draws, you know, maybe my year. I don't know. I actually, I have a pretty good feeling that uh, I will not draw anything, but it's that time of year. It's a tag draw system. And this is my third season of working with the folks at Tags trying to uh, increase my odds, not by having any shortcuts, but by having professionals help me get entered into a lot more draws. It's a good system over there. Folks are super knowledgeable, super easy to work with, and I'm kind of a pain in the butt. So if you want to try to, you know, get more pro, Worldwide Trophy Adventures, Tags, is um, who's doing my system. It's going to pay off here. It will. One of these days. I got the faith. And speaking of big game draws and the season ahead of us, we will be getting out and filming another season of Cal in the Field this year. So please write in and let me know what you want to see, what type of conservation topics you want to get deeper into and explore. And we'll get in there and, and ask the right questions and make a film about it. No topics too big or too small. We'd love to hear them. Write in to ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com and let me know what's going on. And uh, lastly, before we get to the show on the housekeeping side of things, I just want to remind and encourage all of you to participate in our political system. Jordan Sillers and I will continually be updating all of you on what is happening in the wildlife access, hunting and fishing regulation world. But it's up to you to write in, call, even show up and testify on behalf of what we love to do. This is part of that whole hunting is conservation thing. Every single week and multiple times a day at the Western Hunt Expo, uh, I had a bunch of folks who listened to this podcast come up and say, hey, I just want to thank you. I wrote in to my congressman or elected officials or senators or went to a Fish and Game Commission meeting. And it's not that hard. I feel better doing it. And uh, occasionally we see some wins that come out of that participation. And if you don't participate, you cannot bitch about it. Got it? Cool. All right, so we're going to easy in this week with the crime desk. Is there a serial duck dumper wreaking havoc on America's waterfowl? Probably not. But as bird hunting seasons wrap up around the country, there's bound to be a few bad actors giving all other hunters a bad name. In Kansas, for example, game wardens are looking for a group of poachers who were seen illegally dumping more than 30 duck carcasses near the interstate in Franklin County. Some of the ducks were still fully intact, meaning they had not been processed at all and were left to waste literally on the side of the road. Wardens were tipped off to the crime by a witness who says they'd noticed an early 2000s brown full-size Chevy pickup with an extended cab parked along the roadside. A rounded metal carrier was attached to the rear bumper, Several white males in their mid-twenties wearing camouflage were seen getting out of the truck and leaving the ducks in the ditch. The witness also mentioned several of the suspects were sporting mullet haircuts. Depending on what part of the country you're in, that tip may be more hurtful than helpful. After all, it is hockey season. 
Anyone who knows anything about these yahoos is encouraged to call Franklin County Game Warden Ryan Twelman at 785-221-2694. A similar story is playing out in Idaho where game wardens are looking for the people who dumped dozens of dead ducks in Canyon County. 49 mallards were left to waste roughly four miles south of Lake Lowell. Based on their initial investigations, officers believe the ducks were left there sometime between January 27 and January 31. They say it's obvious that whoever shot these birds made no effort to harvest the edible portion of the meat, which is required by Idaho law and federal law. They call the incident a travesty and point out that it amounts to several legal limits of ducks that could have been harvested and enjoyed by upstanding waterfowl hunters. Anyone with information is encouraged to contact the Nampa Regional Office at 208-465-8465. If you're wondering how this kind of behavior reflects on hunters, just scroll through some of the comments underneath these stories. It is not pretty. I know it's a chore to process birds after a successful day out on the water, but it's your responsibility. If you don't plan to at least give the meat away to someone who will enjoy it, just stay home. And what I have often said is still true. You do not have to shoot a limit of birds. You don't. You can go out there, do the whole thing, and say, I want uh, mallards with their feet down, crossing left to right at 10 yards. And that's all I'm going to shoot today. And you will have a fantastic day of waterfowl hunting, enjoying all the goodness of waterfowl hunting, and being picky, right? It's just brutal to see. The other thing is, too, man, if you're hunting with those folks who the first thing they're trying to do is is, uh, give away ducks, you better take the time to educate them on the repercussions of doing illegal stuff here. So this type of wanton waste is really prolific in any situation where you can go get a lot of something. You go out and get 50 snow geese or even communally clean a few limits of ducks, that cleaning, packaging, making everything like look pro and pretty can take longer than the hunt itself. And people need to be prepared for that. You can go out and have all the fun and just shoot less if you're not willing to get that plucking thumb down there on the skin and make everything look pretty. I mean, it's a ribeye of the sky, kids. Come on, it's great. An employee of the city of Victoria and British Columbia has been fired after they decapitated a mountain lion that had been killed by game wardens. The cat had been prowling Victoria's inner city waterfront, and officials deemed it to be a threat to pedestrians and cyclists. It was shot and killed, but apparently someone with the city thought they could get away with the trophy. City officials have not named the person. They have declined to say which department they worked for, and they have chosen not to press charges. They did warn the suspect under the BC Wildlife Act and say that this person surrendered the head and expressed remorse for their actions. I guarantee it didn't matter to the cat. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is offering a $50,000 reward for information that will help convict whoever shot and killed three wolves in Oregon. Back in December, Oregon State Police, Fish, and Wildlife Troopers found the carcasses of two collared research wolves and an uncollared wolf in Klamath County. One of the wolves was an adult female, and the other two were sub-adult females. For all of you poachers out there, there's a hot tip. Don't shoot animals with collars on them. It's like stealing a bag of cash while someone watches very closely, possibly with a research project on the line. Anyone with helpful information is asked to call the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service at 503-682-6131. $50,000 is a lot of cheddar that could get you a new truck, tons of new hunting gear, or 2,500 tickets in the BHA's raffle contest for the Montana statewide mule deer tag, which is still ongoing. Remember, 
Instead of auctioning this tag off to the highest bidder, the singular person with the deepest pockets, this raffle is better, in my opinion, because everybody gets crack at it. Last one for you, and this one's a doozy. A Michigan teenager named Trenton Carl Mark Berry has been charged with murder, which of course he has with a name like that, right? Like you don't have all those names referenced in an article if you didn't kill somebody, right? You've never read a news article where it's just like, old Trent, he uh, shot a guy. No, it's Trenton Carl Mark Berry. In this case, he's charged with shooting his mother's boyfriend while hunting. The victim, a 41-year-old man named Kurt Stubbins, was in a relationship with Barry's mother. Someone the police aren't saying who thought it would be a good idea for the two to go hunting. You know, a little bonding time out in the woods. If these charges are true, Barry had other plans. Police received a call around 9.43 a.m. on November 30 about a hunter who had been shot. The hunter turned out to be Stubbins, and if the murder charge is any indication, police think Barry pulled the trigger on purpose. No new details have been released as of this recording, but we'll be sure to keep you in the loop. Moving on to the Wolf Desk. Protectionist groups are suing the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service after the agency denied reinstating protections to northern Rocky Mountain gray wolves. The Center for Biological Diversity had submitted a petition asking the agency to put wolves back on the endangered species list in the northern Rocky Mountain region. They argued that because states allow wolf hunting, they have shown they are not responsible enough to manage the species. Much to the dismay of the Center for Biological Diversity, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service rejected their petition. They say the wolf population is strong in this region, which includes Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and portions of eastern Oregon and Washington. Fish and wildlife officials say they have used the best available science to model threats to wolves, including human-induced mortality and diseases, and concluded that the wolves are not at risk of extinction in this region. Wolves are still listed as endangered in 44 other states and as threatened in Minnesota. But this wasn't good enough for these protectionist groups. They announced their intention to sue the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service over this common-sense decision. We refuse to sanction the annual slaughter of hundreds of wolves, said a spokesperson for the Center for Biological Diversity. She continued, quote, allowing unlimited wolf killing sabotages decades of recovery efforts in the northern Rockies, as well as those in neighboring West Coast and southern Rocky states. That is an opinion, of course. Even according to the information provided in the Center for Biological Diversity's own press release, there is no unlimited killing of wolves. Wolf hunting is highly regulated, the populations are watched carefully, and there are bag limits in Montana, Idaho, and the portions of Wyoming where wolves are recognized as big game animals. But lawsuits are the name of the game for these groups, which include the CBD, the Humane Society, and the Sierra Club. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars paying lawyers to fight these suits when that money could be going to uh, conservation work. The wolf saga may never end, but as always, we'll let you know if there are any updates. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. 
Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. And use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Moving on to the really important stuff, the legislative desk. We have tons to cover this week at the legislative desk, so as they say in the Air Force, strap in and pay attention. Several of you sent me info about Kansas bills that would reduce funding for Kansas wildlife and parks and strip them of some decision-making power. These bills were allegedly introduced as retribution for the agency's consideration of a deer baiting ban. I'm happy to report that two of these bills, HB 2671 and HB 2672, failed to pass last week in the legislature. These bills would have cost the Wildlife and Parks Department tens of millions of dollars in license revenue and given landowners a monopoly on deer tags. Thanks to Kansas hunters speaking up, neither of those bills made it through. However, I'm told that HB 2582 is still alive and well. This bill would change how Wildlife and Parks Commissioners are appointed to give the state legislature more control over those appointments. Rather than being appointed by the governor, appointments would be made by combination of the governor, the House, the Senate, and the Attorney General. Some worry that if this bill passes, it will change the composition of the commission enough to push through the other proposals that failed in the legislature. So, if you'd like to weigh in, and it sounds like you should if you're in Kansas, get on the horn with your state rep and tell them what you think. I also heard from several listeners about Iowa Bill SSB 3129. This bill would prohibit the Iowa Department of Natural Resources from acquiring property sold at auction. The DNR could still acquire property from a willing donor or seller, but it wouldn't be able to accept a land donation from a nonprofit if that land had been sold at auction. Iowa isn't a big public land state, so get on the phone with your state reps and tell them you don't want to make it more difficult for the DNR to protect and expand what you have. 
Arizona is also considering a raft of anti-public lands bills. HB 2021 would require the holder of a conservation easement to make an annual payment in place of taxes on the reduction of the value of the original parcel caused by the placement of the conservation easement. That's just like a total slap in the face of folks who got conservation easements in the first place. HB 2022 would require the holder of a conservation easement to maintain the property free of noxious weeds that are a threat to health or safety. The Arizona Wildlife Federation points out that these bills are an attempt to dissuade conservation easements through inconvenience and complexity. They ignore the fact that conservation easements are the cornerstone of collaborations between nonprofits and state agencies like the Arizona Game and Fish Department and private landowners. If these bills had been in place, the pronghorn recovery efforts led by the Arizona Antelope Foundation in Southeast Arizona would not have been possible, amongst a gajillion other examples as to why these are good things and people don't get forced into conservation easements. This is a choice between a private landowner and a conservation group or the state or the federal government. This is a great way for family ranches to stay family ranches. Instead of having to sell out to uh, conglomerates or, God forbid, a bunch of folks want to chop up a bunch of acreage into little McMansions with Kentucky bluegrass outside in a drought-ridden state. Things like that, okay? Don't need another golf course down in Arizona. Another set of Arizona bills, HB 2376, HB 2377, HCM 2004, HCM 2006, would, in different ways, make it more difficult for private land to be converted into public land. They operate on the assumption that property taxes are the only way that land can be valuable to the public, but they ignore the massive economic engine that is public land recreation, not to mention things like logging and mining. To read any of these bills and weigh in, visit themeateater.com forward slash cal, and that goes for everything else that we've talked about here on the Week in Review. Wisconsin Bill, SB 999, would allow motorized vehicles access on private land enrolled in the state's managed forest land program. This program gives landowners a tax break for sound forest management, and landowners can opt to open their land to public recreational access. Under this bill, landowners who open their land as part of this program would have to allow some motorized vehicles on maintained roads and trails. Listener Josh T., who sent me this bill, worries that this will compel some landowners from taking their land out of the program or close it to public access. In Idaho, House Bill 404 would exempt GPS caller data from public records requests. I'm told that some folks were using public records requests to get location data on sheep and other wildlife. This bill would put an end to that nonsense. This has been a thing. People have uh, used the Freedom of Information Act to get data on collared animals, to know where to go hunt cow elk, hunt deer. It's sneaky. Can't blame you for using all the tools at your disposal, but I'd like you a lot more if you just use your boots. In Kentucky, Senate Bill 60 would allow residents and non-residents to obtain a license or permit without taking a hunter education course. This would make Kentucky the only state in the nation not to require hunter safety, which has been credited with significantly reducing hunter accidents over the last 60 years. In South Carolina, House Bill 5041 would permit a landowner or lessee to take a deer, wild boar, and other crop-consuming wild animals on agricultural land without a depredation permit. 
According to the National Deer Association, the passing of this bill would permit an owner or agent of an agricultural operation to arbitrarily kill deer based on their interpretation that it is performing an act of depredation. If deer or any other animal is observed feeding on land deemed to be an agricultural operation, it can be killed without a requirement for formal justification or reporting. Furthermore, there is no defined requirement for utilization of deer or other animals once killed, meaning you can dump this thing in a ditch. This is definitely one that South Carolina deer hunters will want to weigh in on. Big thanks to listener Morgan Harrell for sending it in. Last but not least, listener Andrew Miller wrote in to share his thoughts on a segment we did in episode 249 about plastic shotgun wads. He acknowledged that a ban on plastic wads would be devastating to waterfowl hunting, but he was also curious exactly how much plastic waste he's shooting out onto the landscape. He cut open a few different brands of shells, dumped the powder and shot, and weighed the wads. He found that two to three wads contain the same amount of plastic as the average single-use water bottle. So, a full box of shells is equivalent to leaving behind 8 to 12 water bottles worth of plastic. Andrew said, quote, Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, the collective impacts of hunters is still small, but as someone who strives to leave no trace and be responsible for my impacts to the places that produce my food, that visual makes me deeply uncomfortable. That is awesome, Andrew. Thank you for writing in. I'd say that's another reason to start asking our ammo companies to offer shells with biodegradable wads. If they know hunters will buy them, you can bet they'll make them. And for those of you who are going to write in and be like, oh gosh, you shouldn't say stuff like that. You know, that just fuels the fire of the anti-hunting crowd if they were to hear that. It's more, more ammunition against us. Well, guess what? Uh, hunting, angling, being out in the great out of doors is a responsibility and an accountability lifestyle. If you don't like responsibility and accountability, then you shouldn't do it. Got it? Long pause for effect. A listener wrote in, we're going to call him John, with some thoughts on a different story we covered in episode 249 about solar farm expansion on BLM land. John works in the solar industry, and he also serves on uh, some planning commissions. He said, quote, the best option would be to put solar at private residences but this would require transmission line and transformer upgrades to all of those areas. The utilities don't want to take on that cost, so they prefer to build large-scale solar farms and only have to install new equipment in one area. This way, rather than the consumer selling their excess energy to the utility, the utility can own all the solar and continue making all the money. He goes on to say that many utilities have passed regulations blocking customers from producing more power than they use in a year, He says the solution is to push our elected officials to regulate utilities and not allow them to block residential production. There's no reason to build huge solar farms when we already have the infrastructure we need to meet state and federal mandates for renewable energy production. I love that info. Obviously, I'm super biased. I don't think we should be building big solar farms in places if they're going to hurt a lesser prairie chicken or a greater sage grouse or inhibit my ability to walk straight line towards mule deer. Thanks for writing in. That's some great info. I'd love to keep this solar discussion going. So please write in to ASKCAL. That's askhalatthemeateater.com. And let me know what's going on near neck of the woods. I appreciate you. That's all I got for today. Thank you so much for listening. Just because you didn't hear your state in the legislative roundup does not mean this stuff is not going on in your neck of the woods. 
These are just great examples that we have. Yes, they're important, but you need to get off your keister and pay attention to what's going on in your state. If your state's in session, or your wildlife commission is meeting, or if all these elected officials are sitting in DC, you gotta know that they're doing something that affects you, you gotta weigh in. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order